This episode of the Flushman Dustin Podcast is brought to you by Hunt Ready, reliable equipment driving inspiration in the outdoors. And all of their equipment is sourced and handcrafted here in the US of A. Their mission is to build gear that's extremely durable, highly versatile, and ultra light to further enable your journey into the field, regardless of where the road may lead. So be sure to go out and check out Hunt Ready at H U N T R E D I.com. That's huntready.com. This episode is also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. They're focused on the safety and comfort of our hunting dogs. We personally carry the Gundog Outdoors first aid kit as it has all of the items that we need to keep our dogs safe in the event of an injury. Be sure to go check out gundogoutdoors.com and use code RINGNECKS to save you some cash. Hunters, welcome back to another Flushem and Dustin podcast. Tonight we have Connor on. He is with Great Lakes Guided Outdoors LLC. Uh, so we're excited to have him on. I actually, uh, we need to hook up too because I need to get my uh, goose call. I need to need to practice that. I got one of those GK calls that you, uh, I don't know if you're a dealer for or you, you help them out or whatnot, but uh, I got one of those and it sounds good. I just need some help with a uh, fine tuning. So, you know, <laughs> so it's not that good. No, it is. <laughs> I had there's a guy, a guy that uh, uh, that a goose hunt with. He actually he was looking for another call, so he tried it out, and he's like, "Oh man, I'm picking one of these up." So he actually went and ordered one the the next day um, through you guys. So he was super happy with it. But anyways, uh, Connor, thanks for coming on tonight. Definitely appreciate it. Um, but if you can introduce yourself and we'll take it from there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know this has been a long time in the making. Tyler and I have been chatting about this for, man, over a month at least. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we finally pinned down a date to make it happen. So I'm glad that uh, we made it happen and I'm here. Um, <clears throat> I'd also be obviously more than happy to help out with the goose call, either, whether it's you or anybody that's watching. Um, I'm no world championship goose caller, but uh, – you can take a look at the page. We do enough to, to uh, fool a few geese every year. Um, so I'd be more than happy, you know, whatever stage you're at and, and goose calling, uh, you know, the only way to get better is to work at it with, with other like-minded people or people that, you know, obviously, you know, even me talking to people that are more experienced so that I can learn and grow too. Uh, but <clears throat> whether I can help or I can point you in the right direction to somebody that can, that'd be awesome. Uh, but a little bit about me, uh, like Tyler just said, uh, I own and operate Great Lakes Guided Outdoors in Michigan. Uh, we do a lot of field goose and duck hunting uh, in the fall and through the winter months even. And then we also do some turkey hunting in the spring, just a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, say more than just a little bit. <laughs> uh, um, <clears throat> stay tuned. We've had some, uh, you know, really good, good springs the past couple of years. I've been very fortunate to uh, have the exposure that I have to get the experience level that we're at now, um, got a really great team of guys that um, have helped out, whether that be the guides, uh, guys that are helping scout, um, and even as far as the guys at the lodge, you know, helping with uh, the amenity side of things and lodging and, and the cooking uh, side of it. It's just been <clears throat> really awesome. And I mean, you can do a lot with one person that works hard, but you put, you know, five, six or 10 guys that are all paddling the same way and you're going to make it a lot farther. So it's been awesome uh, in that regard too. 
Yeah. How long have you guys been uh, guiding for? <clears throat> so we started Great Lakes Guided Outdoors in June of 2020. Um, but I started guiding and started guiding turkey hunters when I was 16. I started taking out like disabled veterans and kids every year because Michigan's a one bird state. So, you know, I'd go out if I wanted to shoot my turkey, it happened pretty quick and we were done. Uh, so I started out doing it that way and, you know, we'd probably kill, I don't know, anywhere between five and 10 turkeys a year doing it that way. And that was obviously good exposure for me to start learning how to cater to other people's needs. Um, Cause we worked with a lot of dis disabled vets and even people that are paraplegic, you know, in wheelchairs. And um, obviously that's a, a very, very good thing. It's helpful for, for guys like that. And we still try and incorporate that as much as we can into our spring. Um, whether that be, you know, we get guys that tag out a day or two early. I'm like putting posts on Facebook, like where are the kids at that want turkey hunt or, you know, trying to get some disabled vets out still. Um, but <clears throat> that's kind of where I cut my teeth into, you know, guiding, if you want to call it that. Um, and then uh, through my college years, I started helping out a few other outfits here within Michigan. And then once I finished up with my school, um, I was going to school to be a physician's assistant. And uh, man, this uh, this line of work kind of roped me in and I haven't been able to get back out yet. <laughs> um, that's not a bad thing. I don't blame, yeah, I don't blame you on that. Right. Uh, and honestly, man, I still have such a deep passion for medicine and helping people that I've like scratched my head. I'm like, man, am I where I need to be? Uh, but then you see the direction that healthcare has taken a turn for. I'm like, yes, <laughs> I think I'll stick at it. For it's sick care, like, man. It ain't healthcare. All they want to do is help you if you're sick. I ain't give a shit about nothing else. Yeah, I could rant so, on about this all day. That's what I'm in. <laughs> yep. so, so anyways, uh, I started, you know, helping out some other guys and I get so many guys that talk to me about like starting guiding, like I'm going to start my own guide service. And you know, I think the biggest, most important part of, of the part that shaped me into what I am is the exposure to other people that have experience, you know, like you can't just jump off the diving board and take people's money and expect to provide a good service for anybody. So I think, you know, having the, the places I've been able to work. So you're not, you're not a lawyer then. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, you know, being able to work with the guys that I, I was able to work with uh, definitely taught me a lot, a lot, a lot. And so once I was exposed to that, you see, you know, the right ways and wrong ways to do things, you know, it, it definitely can improve your quality of experience you're able to give to people. And I think that it, that definitely shows into what our reputation has become now in Michigan. It's been a good thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it'd be hard because, you know, being a guide service is more than just providing a good hunt. Oh yeah. You know, you, there's so much more that goes into that. And how big is your team to be fully functioning and operating how you are and to keep things moving? Um, it's, it's kind of different depending on the time of year, right? Uh, you know, there's times of the year that we're obviously busier than others. Um, and so at that point, you know, like I said, we'll just say for turkey season, for instance, I try and cram my busiest, you know, or biggest groups into the, the couple weeks so that I can have the whole team on board, which is a great thing. And it's a bad thing at the same time, because, man, it is hectic for, you know, it's a, it's a wild storm for that couple weeks that we're like that. Um, but I think our biggest group of hunters we ran at our north camp was nine at one time. Um, and so that would have been eight guided hunters and one self-guided hunter. So it would have been, we, we run our, our guided hunters in groups of two to a guide. So that would have been myself guiding two guys and then three other full-time guides, earth guides that are guiding those other pairs. Um, and then obviously that self-guided hunter. 
And then I think at that time, I'm trying to think, we had probably at least three other trucks on the road scouting as well. Because obviously when you're out sitting in the woods in the morning, you can't see, you know, the other farms that we're hunting or whatever. Um, so it's helpful to have that extra set of eyes to, you know, whether you're sitting there, you're like, hey, it's not happening. Where should I move to? Or, you know, well, it didn't quite work out this morning. We were close, but should we hunt somewhere else the next day? Um, so definitely having those those eyes on the road is huge. And then sure. we run, I don't even know, 20 some cell cams too. <laughs> are you, uh, uh, are you leasing your land then? Or do you own some land or what's, um, what's your strategy there? Yeah, I would never be able to own enough grounds to kill as many birds as what we do, unfortunately. I was going to um, say, I, according to your page. Geez. Yep. Um, I would say right now we got access, you know, it's hard to even put a number on it, but we usually are looking right around 250 or 300,000 acres of ground. Um, I basically just have written agreements with all my landowners that say, you know, this is the date we agreed to this. This is the services we provide just so they're aware, like we're bringing, you know, clients, paying clients out on their ground. Um, it discusses, you know, liability and the insurance that we provide to cover our end and, and theirs. And then the amount of money that we, you know, agree to it's, it's different with every obviously property based on the size and the frequency we hunt it and whatever. And honestly, I mean, a lot of people don't necessarily even want it for the money at this point, you know, it's, it's more of a relationship. Um, but the biggest thing is like, there's people, you know, locals or wherever they'll go around. They're like, Oh, he's guiding on your ground and he didn't tell you and he's making money and you're not paying you and yada, 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 which is the furthest from the truth. Cause we have it in writing that they know what's going on. And, you know, we, we pay them normally a set amount by the day or by the season or whatever. So yep. it's fair. It's fair for everybody because I shook your hand. I introduced myself. We built a relationship, whether it be, you know, that we're going to hunt the next day or I've known this person for X amount of years, you know, they at least know what's going on. So um, I, I hate to use the term lease because like, I don't want to be that guy that like controls so much ground that nobody else can hunt. Oh, um, it's not that much. It's only 300,000. <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but a lot of the, a lot of the places I'm so close with the landowners that like, you know, they might send me a text or like, you know, my cousin Timmy wants to go out and hunt or whatever. Like, what's your schedule look like? Do you either have room for him to hunt with you, which more times than not, we'll just do it that way. Or are you okay with him going out hunting? You know, cause I hate to say like we have priority because, you know, clients want to have a good hunt, but a lot of them understand that. And that's kind of the way that it goes. So it's, it's just cool. Cause I've been able to, like I said, build good relationships with everybody more than anything that, you know, everybody's happy at the end of the day. And, and it, it goes pretty well that way. How long has it taken you to build that? So your first year compared to what you have sure. now, what's the difference in land uh, or, is it still I mean, new enough? It's not too different. We, we've definitely grown significantly because obviously to run hunts to the frequency that we do now, I mean, you know, we're hunting every day, if not in fall running two, three, four groups a day, you know, you're, you're covering a lot of ground. So we definitely have grown substantially, but again, like bouncing back to that point where we just kind of, or I kind of dove into where guys are like oh i'm gonna be a guide now like you know they're they're sending me a message they have permission for like three farms you're like whoa like you can't be taking thousands of dollars from people you know if you aren't prepared on your back end to support it so you know nope. we've definitely you know acquired some new ground and new relationships with people you know especially once you're in and around these communities you know, you meet this farmer and the next thing you know, this farmer talks to the next farmer and then they call you and it goes pretty well that way. 
Um, but I mean, we already had a good bit of ground to run on prior to, you know, ever even getting into guiding. Yeah. That's really nice to have that startup for it makes it a little easier to, to take that leap and get going. But even like on that note, like it's hard for me, like I travel a lot, obviously, but it's hard for me to travel sometimes because like I have developed such a big network of people that, you know, it's kind of cool. I get to help out a lot on these farms, whether they need help on the farm or they need help running parts somewhere or taking a trip to go pick this up or do that. Um, you know, it's, it's almost a full-time job in itself just to maintain the relationships to what they are. (laughs) How far, how far are your farms like from your base camp that were your lodges? Sure. Um, the lodge we used in Turkey season this year, uh, was actually in a perfect spot. I rented out a high fence deer ranch's lodge. Um, and we're super grateful for that. It was awesome. Um, but it's actually in between like the three or four main units that we turkey hunt so you know we were like a 20 minute drive from the northern units and like a 20 minute drive from the southern units so we're kind of right in the middle it's perfect um but oh trying to think i mean we probably cover like six or eight surrounding counties right there and then like i kind of mentioned we have two or three other spots in michigan that we kind of have like a smaller you know camp set up at that we may go and bounce down to if we do too um so i mean we hunt all over the state. That's why it's hard to, to pin it down. You know what's what's your success rate if you had to put a number on it for turkeys? Yeah. Um. So if you want to say shot opportunity, it's a hundred percent. I had three people go home last year that missed either two or three turkeys each under twenty five yards. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can ask for is the opportunity. Yeah, uh, that was that was hard because I mean I beat myself up for it when people come in and they you know, invest their time and hard-earned money to come hunt with us. But at the end of the day, like you have to also be prepared on your end as well. You know what I mean? Like yep. you're, you are ultimately harvesting a life. You know, that's a big, to me, that's a significant thing. You know, like we can't just, you're not just going turkey hunting. Like you are going to, to kill something like, you know, you need to be ethically prepared to do that. And so it's it's a hard thing to to be in that situation and it's frustrating too on both ends I think you know but ultimately you just have to be prepared so but that's like I said I'm 24 so you know I don't know between the last eight and ten years of turkey hunting and taking people turning turkey hunting I mean that's that's a lot of turkeys <laughs> that is a lot of yeah. turkeys a ton of them so you guys uh you guys plan on rolling around and Toyota RAV4 hybrids this year, or are you going to be driving your diesel trucks around? Oh my God. I blew my transmission. I had a 2018 Silverado with a 5.3 gas truck. I blew the transmission twice this winter. Um, From what? From trailers? Yeah, the first time I think was just from hauling trailers. Get rid of mine. And then the second time they actually installed that first replacement wrong. And fortunately, I bought the warranty, but I mean, still. You know, between the time your truck's down and getting it towed places, I mean, you're still out a bunch of money whether you buy the warranty or not. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was a huge headache. I got my truck back the second time. And actually, before I got the truck back the second time, I already purchased a different truck. <laughs> um, but I ended up buying a 2004 uh, with the 6.6. That's a diesel. And then, uh, you know, I paid cash for it, which is good. So I don't have a truck payment and I paid for all my insurance at once. So I'm like trying to be smart about it financially. But Oh my gosh, you aren't kidding. Paying for it at the pump. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just had this conversation with somebody today. They're like, oh, you know, I had to fill my key up, you know, what's whatever, once or twice a week, you know, and it's, it's $60, you know, each fill up. And I'm like, yeah, 
you know, imagine me, you know, I've got me and like I just mentioned, you know, four, five, six trucks getting filled up on top of mine a day. You know, you start racking that up. I mean, we aren't filling up quarter tanks of gas. I mean, we're covering, like I just said, however many counties. Oh my gosh, you know, it's it's definitely bad. But I mean, that's where I tear myself up. You try and provide the best service you can for people's hard-earned money. But at the end of the day, I mean, somebody's got to pay for the fuel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yep. um, we definitely have had to reflect that in our pricing a little bit, unfortunately. But I mean, I will say, I mean, everybody's been pretty understanding of that at this point. I mean, you can't, you're running the rest a business. Of the world you can't is. worry. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't worry about what people think. I mean, that's just what it is. Right. So it's, it's definitely a bummer, you know, to think, you know, you're at the pump, whatever, a couple falls ago and, you know, I could fill up three trucks for what it costs to fill up my one now, you know, it's just like. <laughs> well, shit, Nick, what did you, you just went down to the Ozarks. Uh, what he has, yeah, I so, said, I had said the raw four hybrid because that's what his work car is. Yeah. Right. So, uh, my comp- my company gives me a car and I drove it down to like the Ozarks, which is uh, about, takes us about five and a half hours ish with kids and i total round trip i'll only put 70 bucks in it and i made it back to iowa and then i drove three hours to get my dog and back because he was staying at my sister's and still didn't have to fill it up after that's after that 70 bucks that's That's incredible machine (laughs) it's incredible machine and i could have made it i could have made it without filling it up to the house but we stopped and i was like i'll just put gas in it might as well wow yeah like I it's, just a, it's a good little vehicle i mean i'm not gonna lie about it yeah i just mentioned before uh we just drove to north carolina this week and yeah i mean it's it's you know 120 130 140 bucks whatever you know every time you stop you're like oh my gosh Woo. yeah what size uh what size trailer were you pulling with that uh with your silver auto with the five three I got Uh-oh. one. Tyler, you know, Tyler's concerned he's gonna buy a new truck tomorrow because you're. You I ain't fucking buying new trucks. <laughs> the price of trucks, I can't afford anything. Right. Uh, I've got a new used truck. Oh, the bigger of the two is a 16 foot, but it's got that extended height, so I think it's seven and oh. a half foot. Um, it's like pulling a big sail. I mean, it is. But um, I did a, obviously a little bit more research in that year model 2014 to 18 a lot a lot of people were blowing transmissions between 120 and 140,000 miles which mine went at about 144 the first time so it was a common thing unfortunately yeah. with a good amount of miles on the vehicle it's not like it was 50,000 right. miles right and I'll tell you I mean I don't drive my trucks nice it's definitely not a thing <laughs> well i drive i drive my truck nice and uh, can't get it out of the shop so there we go <laughs> yeah. Yeah, shit, I nick, do, nick won't I do have a truck my- for the rest of summer Fuck. <laughs> handcrafted and proudly built in the usa with no corners cut b pro kennels put your dog safety first as these kennels are made with high grade lightweight aluminum and built with a rigid frame similar to that of a roll cage Designed and built with the hunter in mind, the kennel provides ample storage for all of your gear. Keep your guns, boots, vest, collars, and other items in the secure, lockable compartments conveniently placed at the top of the box. This is not all. Did you forget to charge those collars? Or are you on a hunting trip and need power source? The B-Pro Kennel has you covered with built-in solar power to charge all your devices when you need it most. Lastly. 
Built-in LED lights keep your tailgate bright during those late nights, allowing you to easily put away all your gear without the need of headlights, headlamps, or a flashlight. Check out more at bprokennels.com. Oh, I had uh, uh, something kept draining the, draining the battery on it, and uh, it just kept draining and draining. And like I would go out to start it, and it'd be dead. I'd jump it. It'd start right up. Then I'd go back out like an hour later, and it was dead. And I was like, what in the hell? So I went and bought a new battery. Put that in, fire right up, and I just had a bad battery, whatever. Came back out, like, the next day because we were going to go somewhere. Dead, and I was like, what the hell? Took it in. They thought it was my radio um, draining it, so they replaced, like, the whole radio and everything. Um, <clears throat> went down to go get it. Did start, and I was like, well, that's not it. Today today they called me, and they said that they think it's my uh, um, steering column that's draining my battery. So they're going to put a whole new steering column in my truck. And I hope yeah. it's covered under warranty. Oh my god! It is. It is all under warranty. So I'm just like, whatever. <laughs> and the truck is out. It's a 2020 Ram 1500. Oh man! Whew. Yeah, 20 <laughs> only 24,000 miles on it. So right. You know, <laughs> unfortunately though, I've got a buddy that just bought a, it's like a 2022 Duramax, and same thing. Like it's had like three or four like major incidents, and it's only got like 7,000 miles on the thing, and it's like just all these electrical things going wrong. And again, that's why, I mean, having an 04 isn't necessarily all a bad thing. It's like, it's something. No. Old My brother-in-law drives an 04, drive. 02, 02 or 04 Tahoe. And he actually repainted the whole thing. And he, said, he, won't buy anything. he said, I won't, I'm not going to buy anything new because um, it just has too much electronics and it's just going to break. Yeah. So he, he actually has an engine already picked out for when this one blows, he's just going to put it right in there. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he already has it. <laughs> I wish yeah, I wish my Silverado would have had the six two liter in it instead of just the five three, but it is what it is. You know, honestly that five three is a really great motor. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think I, I've been hard on transmissions. I blew a transmission in my six oh I had too, so I don't know. I mean I guess just pulling a trailer as much as we do definitely is probably pretty stressful on that I'd imagine. Well shit, yeah, you're going through probably cornfields almost daily imagine the <laughs> just the bouncing and it's continually right. jerking back on it and the weight right. that you have i mean jesus the wear and tear on a vehicle yeah. and <laughs> just the yeah. gear in general per year going out do you guys and you guys pick up and replace every day right as far as our hunts go yeah yeah so yes, like sir. all your decoys I can't think of a place we hunted two days in a row. Um, we chase feeds just about every day. Uh, out of We hunted September and October in Michigan last year, so roughly six days. Um, out of that many days, I ran traffic one day. <laughs> um, but, uh, That's and we nice still, to not have to we, run traffic still, a lot. Yeah, we still killed like 36 or 38 that day. <laughs> nice. Is it help? What are you guys running for, for spreads when you're running – traffic compared to when you're just on a feed is there much of a difference or um not really too much um i've switched over pretty much to running exclusively dsds um which that's obviously not going to hurt anybody <laughs> um but, those aren't uh, cheap decoys either are they no they're definitely not but i mean they're great people it's you know they're made in america which is super awesome um and uh i you know can't can't complain at all um, you get what you pay for that's what that's for sure and uh, unfortunately too i mean in today's day and age i mean you know there's just too much cheap shit for lack of better terms that's made overseas you know and so 
I try and uh, help out as much as I can and, and keep stuff, you know, local, whether it be the decoys or like you already mentioned, the call stuff or, or any of that. Yep. Um, but be on over, you know, DSDs a lot. Um, you know, silhouettes have their time in place too. Um, I really, really have good success with silhouettes a lot. Um, but uh, we just have so little wind in Michigan. You know, again, out of those 60 days we hunted, I bet we only had four or five days with wind over 10 miles an hour. Um, oh, so, wow. again, I mean, if, when you're able to finish as many geese as we do to, to the hole, um, having, a, I hate to say small spread. I mean, we're still running eight to 12 dozen DSDs or more, you know, but when you can get them in a lot, you know, tight like that and they finish and walk around in the decoys, you can work more in or whatever, you know, it's, it's just a, a cool thing. So, um, we hunt over those and then, uh, I've also got a bunch of the fully flocked avian X's too, that I'm kind of phasing out a little bit, but, um, you know, yeah. they're all, they're all nice decoys. Are you running their, the DSD large ones or the small Canada geese ones? Um, know? so I've got a good mix of both. I've got probably 40 or 50 giants and I don't know probably 60 or 70 honkers, I guess, somewhere in that range. I don't even know how many I got. I don't, you know, <laughs> we yeah. got a, we got a whole trailer full of them. Uh, but you know, as that's a big question for a lot of people. They're like, well, what do I buy? I mean, you just kind of have to structure it to your hunting style. You know I mean? If it, if it were just me going out to kill my five geese every day, I'd probably have like a dozen giants and call it good. You know I mean? That's, I'd have a lot of confidence in that. They're super yeah. visible, super real. You know, you don't need a lot of them, but you know, when you have to hide, you know, 10 or 12 guys every day, you know, having a little bit more size to a spread is definitely not going to hurt you. So, um, and so plus when, when Tyler and I come out, what's the, what's the success rate you're going to guarantee us? I mean, we know Tyler can't hit shit. So what's the oh. success rate you're going <laughs> to, Oh man. Well, <laughs> so now it just went down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We averaged uh, 32.4 birds a day last year is what it worked 32. out. 32.4? Yeah. And, and that's that's with clients only shooting. I mean, it, that's not me or any – like, we either hunt with two guides or, or like, me and, like, a guide helper person every day. So, imagine if, if I could be slinging bullets alongside everybody, too, you know, every day. I mean, tack on another couple anyway. So, um, it's it's been good. But um, – that's another thing too. I mean, it, you know, you take guys that don't hunt as frequently as, you know, the, the group of guys that's out killing all the time together. And, you know, the shooting definitely isn't what it could be, but that's just, that's hunting. It is what it is. So, um, yep. I can just makes you work harder, right? Yeah, it definitely does make you work harder, but at the same time, you know, you got to recognize like, well, if I want to hunt these birds again, not tomorrow, but within the next couple of days, I'm educating a lot if I had to shoot at six volleys instead of being limited in two or three, you know? So, so from that side of things, that makes it a little bit difficult and same thing with missing turkeys. I mean, it just educates them. Um, but, uh, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Like you said, it just makes you, you work a little bit harder, uh, appreciate the days that you do have guys that can shoot well. Um, and, uh, it is what it is, but, you know, guiding, you have to have a different mentality. You know, if everybody's happy, you know, if they shot six boxes of shells and killed three geese, but they're happy, whatever, you know, but you know, if, if they shot five geese and six shots and are happy, well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's the way it goes. Do you, Do you uh, uh, have a dog? Ahead. I see a black lab. I'm not, yeah. I'm not sure. Is that yours? 
So currently I don't, um, I got one on the ground right now that I'm probably should be picking up soon. Um, I don't know how closely you guys follow along, but I work pretty closely with the guys at Southern Oak Kennels North. They're down in like the Southwest corner of the state, Michigan. Um, again, I've learned a ton about dog handling and training and, and you know, just taking care of dogs in general, um, uh, from all those guys down there, Don, Wally, Cody, everybody. Um, but I've got a dog down at the kennel there that I've formed a pretty good relationship with. Her name's Ashley. It's just one of their breeder dogs. Um, when she's not like either in heat or getting bred or whatever during season, they'll usually send her up to hunt with me. And that's who I hunted with all season last year in Michigan. Um, and you know, she's, I think six now, um, I hunted with her when she was like two or three, right around that time frame, And then this year when she was six, um, in the last seasons in between, she was having puppies, but she just put a litter out in February and I'm supposed to have a female out of that. So I'll be working with her obviously training and then we'll see if Ashley's ready to rock and roll this fall or if they're breeding her one more time. Yeah. Are you going to do the training on your own? Or are you going to send her the, to Southern Oaks um, to do it? I would say I'll probably try and do a good chunk of it on my own, but I mean, I don't know how well, you know, Wally and Cody and those guys down there, but they do a phenomenal job. Um, so I'm sure I'll probably have a little bit of the uh, fine tuning and finish work, um, yeah. you know, with them. Uh, you know, I, I'm definitely humble enough to say when, you know, I'm not the best at something when there's somebody that's better than me, I'll, I'll shut my mouth and watch and take it in or, or put the dog in the spot that it needs to be in. Yeah. And dog training is so difficult because every dog is different, right? And you don't approach oh. each situation the same when it's different, obviously. So it's like, Oh God. Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the part of the hardest part of, of picking up on, on the dog. I mean, you have to form that relationship with them to know their personality. And then you have, you know, correction, you know, how much correction is not enough or too much, or, or you know, what, what kind of correction does it need and when, and all that timing, it's just so crucial. Yeah. The timing is very crucial on that. Yeah. I did the uh, cornerstone gun dog program. So the sure. one with Barton, obviously the, owner of sock but um that helped me a lot you know and there's still i mean there's still so much you can learn outside of that it's they have right. a you know they have a private <laughs> facebook group and it's it's kind of nice because i don't really have any mentors around here per se but i use that group because everybody posts their issues in there that they're having all the way through the entire program so it's like you know if i have if i'm experiencing something i can you know, type it in the search bar and a lot of times they'll pop up that someone's had that same issue and you can read through the comments right. and there's, you know, there's a guys that, that know way more than, way more than a lot of people, you know, and, um, you just get a bunch of different, you know, this guy had success doing this, this guy had success doing this. So, you know, you can kind of play with it and see what works best, which is nice. Yeah. And using, using your resources like that too. I mean, you know, technology today is just incredible. Um, you know, whether it be the dog training or like you just mentioned already in the beginning, you know, goose calling or what we're doing right now, talking about goose decoys or any of that. I mean, you know, 50 years ago, you know, that wasn't a thing. I mean, you'd sit, probably, these old boys probably sat around a bar, you know, talking about it in the weather, you know, and that's it. Yeah. And they only knew one thing, you know, and never expanded outside of. Right. Right. You know, and that's one thing that Nick and I say all the time. It's like, man, the, this podcast has opened our eyes up to a lot of just different, different hunting, different styles of hunting, just different sure. dogs. I mean, everything. It's crazy. Yep. How, like you said, technology and 
just social media when it's used properly and, uh, you know, and, um, it's, it can be a great resource. It can also be a really bad resource, but, uh, yes, I like to use it for good resources. <laughs> so most of them, most of the time, yeah. <laughs> keep away from that other stuff, but <laughs> what so do you uh, talk to us about? I was going to say you have, I read on your website, eight to 10 guys go out at a time when you do a, a big goose hunt or duck hunt. Is that typical? Do you normally get that many? Is yeah, that required, yeah. I guess? Yeah, so it's not required, obviously, for booking purposes. I mean, I get a lot of times that, you know, we have, hey, it's just me. You know, can I come hunt? You know, of course. Um, <clears throat> I'll try and structure it to where, like, I have a group of eight, and then I'll have, you know, two individuals hunt with us or whatever. Um, you know, 10 has been, like, our, I, you know, like our safe number, I guess. Um, it's a comfortable in the blinds. Everybody gets, you know, a fair amount of shooting. Um, and obviously, I mean, if some days there's a day that they're favoring one end of the blind, we might have to, you know, move some people around. Um, but more times than not, they center up pretty well and uh, everybody is, is more than content. But out of those, like I said, 60 days we guided in Michigan and out of the 60 days, we probably double and or triple book like 10 or 15 of those days. So, you know, there's obviously more than 60 days being hunted. Uh, we hunted with 10 pretty much every day. Um, and, and honestly, bigger than that too. I mean, I have guys like my, I got a group from Texas that comes every year. I think they had 14 last year, which oh, wow. I try not to get that big. Um, uh, but 10, 10 is definitely a good, comfortable number. Yeah. Are you guys hunting mainly, uh, a frames or layouts or what's your uh, game plan? <laughs> yeah. So a frames and layouts definitely are, are, players like we said with as much as we're moving around um you know being able to be mobile is huge um i got a little bit of project underneath uh or in the woodwork right now in the off season i'm going to keep my mouth shut on that till it comes out <laughs> um but oh, definitely, man. <laughs> i'm definitely i'm definitely excited for that um i think that's going to elevate our game a little bit um if you guys can can make it out and come out with me hopefully it's done <laughs> um it should be um but as long as it's done you'll uh You'll definitely enjoy that. But, is it stationary? You know, Can you say that? No, it is not stationary. Um, uh, um, as far as, like, A-frames and layouts go, uh, obviously, A-frames are probably more comfortable to hunt out of for a lot of guys, especially, you know, older age people that don't get up and down as well, obviously, out of a layout. Um, you know, and, and I got a ton of confidence in hunting out of A-frames. I mean, I don't – it's not that they don't work, um, but, you know – you'll shoot a lot more of your birds between 20 and 30 yards out of an A-frame. And a lot of times you have to side shoot them, um, which is fine. Uh, but, you know, sh yeah, shooting them out of layout lines. I mean, when you can get them to land on your feet, man, whew, that's just, it's, yeah. a, it's, a, it's a different animal. And, uh, you know, I think layouts are super comfy. I mean, you're laying down pretty much, you know, and, and you get, you get, make your little cozy hole there for the day, you get settled yeah. in. Do um, you have a brand and, that you like? Um, yeah, um, we run, uh, all goose busters from Rogers. Okay. Uh, Rogers has been really awesome to work with. Again, um, they have great, great staff, uh, super speedy to get back with me. They're easy to, to order through, uh, being, you know, an outfitter and, and ordering in the quantities that we do. Um, I've got a couple guys down there that I work directly with. Um, so we have some of the Goosebusters XLs and then I've also got enough of the, they call them LP, the low profile ones. Yeah. So I really, 
I don't mind hunting out of them. I mean, it's not my first choice, but I really, really try not to ever have to hunt out of those for the client's sake, just because they're so, they're so tight. You know what I mean? Um, it, but sometimes, I mean, when the geese pick a field that that's all that you can hide in, that's, that's what you get. So, um, you know, unfortunately <laughs> that's where we end up sometimes, but not very often. Um, and then like on the rare, rare occasion that we get to fun hunt, I'll probably throw the goose chairs in the trailer and go hunt out of them. <laughs> yeah. You have goose chairs, you said? Yes, sir. So who makes those? What's that? Who makes those? Oh man. I want to say I'll have Are to they the ones my... where you have the big goose, goose over your head and they flip yep. them up, right? I think it's called like waterfowl unlimited or something like that. They're made somewhere on the East coast, I think. And I mean, they're, they're like 20 plus years old. Um, and yeah. I think, I think maybe lucky duck came out and started making some again last year. Um, I, saw something on that, yeah. I, I haven't seen those ones yet, like in person, other than just seeing them online. Um, yeah. but I see one on Facebook marketplace, either I'm buying it or I got 20 people that are sending it to me in messenger. They're like, are you going to buy this one? I'm like, yeah, take the money. Um, I think we have like five or six of them now. And I don't think I'd ever be able to run clients in them because like, I know they work and a lot of other people know they work, but like, you know, on the rare chance you show up, it's that bluebird day. They don't work right. You know? And they're like, Oh, it's the goose chairs. And it's like, you could have been hit to a T and they still wouldn't have done it, you know, but uh, the clients are the first ones that, to point the finger at whatever oh, yeah. they think. So it's like, well, on that note, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus that way, but you know, they, they work. <laughs> yeah. No, that'd be, that'd be kind of fun <clears throat> popping up out of underneath, underneath those and yeah. How often? How often do you? How often do you guys get to hunt? Um, I hunted I think two days last year. Um, we hunted one day like the first week of September and shot a handful in the afternoon, and uh, had one day that I hunted with one of my turkey guides in late October, and I shot my limit that morning. So I think I shot six geese all year last year <laughs> one that one that one day and then five with with justin well shot more than nick no i'm just kidding <laughs> didn't even shoot I watched, any <laughs> i watched a lot more die than that but uh yeah, yeah. what's your guys shoot, if you don't shoot can't miss right so last year is 100 right. that's right <laughs> better percent than i was What's yeah, but, your, uh, what's your guys' biggest day that you've had? Um, we killed 80 in a day. That was not this past fall, but the fall before. Um, and then last year, our best day was 65. And honestly, I mean, both days, uh, 80, I think we had 16 guys, what it works out to. We, you know, man, we could have killed over 100 that day. And I think 65 works out to 13, man, I want to say. Um, and again, I mean, those days like that, I mean, you could just put a hundred people out there and just massacre them, you know, but at that point, like we, we had another day, I just had this conversation with somebody a couple of days ago, you know, we had one day we shot 53 or 57 last year, a Ross goose and a band and the, the party leader of that group, he's a good, good friend of mine. He like looked at me like, you know, at like 10 o'clock in the morning, we had this big stack of geese. He's like, what are we going to do with all these dead geese? I'm like, well, I guess that's, that's your sign that we're done. Cause like, you know, once you get to that point where you're like, man, there's so many geese to clean and so much meat, like, what are we going to do with them all? Like you're kind of, you know, at that point you're just killing, you know, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do, so is each client responsible for taking home the geese that they kill or how does that work? 
Yeah, so a uh, little bit of, I hate to say gray, gray area, but it's a little bit of gray area as far as possession and stuff goes. Um, but basically what we do throughout the morning, you know, when you shoot into a volley or whatever, or somebody shoots a single or whatever, you know, we will put each bird behind every hunter. Layout blinds obviously are the easiest, um, but even when we're in A-frames, we stick an individual pile behind each hunter so that, you know, nobody has more birds in their possession, whether we're in the field, you know, at the trucks, whatever, everything's in an individual pile. Um, <clears throat> so that's from the moment they're shot, you know, they're, they're basically labeled that person's birds. And then obviously when we're done hunting, everybody fills out their, their tag information and we will individually tag them. Um, and then this is where with the possession stuff, I guess it's not gray area. It's very clear. You know, you can gift your birds to anybody. And so as long as they're marked and you don't have more than your possession limit, you know, you're fine. So if, you know, if we hunted together, whatever, Tyler and, and Nick and I, you know, we shot, you know, you shot five, I shot five and Nick shot five. We all tag them. And then we're like, well, I got a wedding I have to go to today. Nick's got to go do this. Tyler, sorry, but you got to clean them all today. You know, or like I gift my five birds to you. Now you're not over your limit. You're not over your, you know, three times your possession limit or any of that. Um, and, and then er, everybody should be happy. Hopefully <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta write that on a piece of paper. I gift my birds to you. <laughs> um, the, actually, I got them sitting right here. No tags. Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they're never far. But the, the back on them, sometimes they have something stamped on the back. All mine are plain. Um, so we just write it on the back, you know. So it's like on this day, you put the name, the date, who it's going to. And I gift my birds to. And then you sign it, you know. So mm -hmm. then it's it's covered. And then on here, you know, it's got, you know, your all your information. I don't know how clear it is if you can yeah, even I see it. See it's probably pretty blurry but you know you got your name the date i think your address and sports card number i want to say and then yep. you know, the, the quantity and species and there's the county the birds are shot and your your signature on the bottom did i get it right without looking at it what that yeah this is a dumb much. question what's a sports card number um so, so hunter id hunter safety yeah, it's, it's different again in that regard i mean you know like a youth hunter doesn't have a driver's license so they have a sports cards number and technically a lot of states require your hunter safety or hunter safety sport card or whatever so yeah a lot of times it ends up being your driver's license number or okay. whatever maybe uh but yeah i'm impressed i got all that right Man, in a row with it's like you it. filled a few out before yeah Jeez. maybe like one or two. <laughs> the um, five that you shot last year <laughs> yeah Exactly. Um, but that's just, that's just how we do it. Um, you know, I think it's kind of a pain in the rear end, but at the end of the day, it's not a bad thing either. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's, it's just one more T we got across and it keeps hopefully the federal game wardens happy. That's <laughs> the main thing. At the state level, there's very few states that require, you know, bird identification in this, this manner. A lot of them want your birds separate, like like a lot of my Michigan DNR officers, especially with ducks. They want to see whose birds are whose, you know, like just so like I didn't shoot more than my two hen mallards one day, say, you know, or whatever. Or you didn't shoot more than your individual limit of wood ducks. Like you don't have your three wood ducks and my three wood ducks. And it's like, oh, I shot six ducks today. Well, now you're over, you know. Yeah. So they want to see them separated in that regard. But as far as federally I identifying or tagging them, there's no requirement. But at the federal level, there is. So that's that's just where it's like, man, they get you. Yeah. It's always something. It is all. 
I'm sure no, they're pretty strict on it too, you know. Right. Which... And, and you no, know, honestly, I mean, what are the chances of me running into a federal game warden? Probably not very high. Yeah. But on the one on the one day that they do, oh yeah. man, they're gonna give you the wood. And, and you know, you hear stories all the time. <laughs> You hear stories all the time, even like why these are a thing, Ryan Warden or, you know, guys like that where they have undercovers that hunt with them. Who knows how many? I mean, I probably have, I could have somebody I talk to on the phone every day or week that I think is my best friend right now that, you know, he's just, he's lurking, you know, you're like, man. man that's, that's crazy that they have undercovers that actually go out with guides. Right. And, and have trying, you had any, have you, do you know any of, through the guide talk? of them actually getting busted for anything that you know of or um, from an I mean, undercover or or do they tell them that they're undercover at the end of the hunt <laughs> well i mean a lot of the cases they'll build for multiple years right so i mean it's not just like a one and done thing like they'll weasel their way in there and they'll just keep keep building and building you know and then once they got enough, they'll hammer you, you know, and it's That's just crazy. Right. Um, if you haven't yet, I mean, go listen to that podcast about Ryan Ward and that end of the line podcast. I think it's called, um, end but of man, the line. it's crazy stuff. Yeah. That's, I think it's a series. There's like, I can't remember how many episodes, but that's definitely, Is definitely he, was he a federal agent or was he, uh, no, I'm pretty sure. And it's been a while since I listened to it, but I'm pretty sure Ryan was guiding somewhere and he had guys that were hunting with him. I think. That's insane that they do undercover to that extent. Right, right. <laughs> uh, again, I'm, I'm a little bit out of touch with details, but I think Foils was in the same boat. Man. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to check that out just to just to see what it's like. I've never I, – I remember hearing something I was listening to. I think it was the Big Honker podcast, and they had uh, uh, Toby Brolin, is that how you say his last name, with Cadillac yep. Creek. And I remember him mentioning something about it, um, but I don't remember the details that he said. But I never heard right. of it until till that that they actually have federal agents come out and. Yeah, and and I mean, wild. Got, oh, too. I mean, again, we're in the field hunting with a lot more people more frequently than yeah. anybody. So yeah, the more people, the more mistakes can happen, right? So not only are you more at risk, like you said, with more mistakes, but they're going to look at you with that fine tooth comb. You know, they might yeah. like if if a fed stopped one of you guys, they'll be like, "Hey, tag your birds next time." If they check me and I got you know three parties of hunters out, we got thirty guys out hunting. You know, with six guides, you know, two guides to a group. You know, they're gonna be like, "Man, you should have known better." Oh, Wham! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the feds usually do not mess around with the experience no. I've had. No, so. So that's just why, I mean, you just have to cross your T's and dot your I's and, you know, I don't know. I think if they want you for something, they're going to for something, no matter how good you try and be. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, you know, that's, you can just try and be the best you can be. That's it. Yeah. What type of insurance do you have to have for being a guide or do you carry? Um, I don't really think there's anything that's like required, you know what I mean? And that's the scary part. Um, I have just a general liability policy for the business. Um, they actually put my trailers underneath my automotive uh, insurance. So that saved a little bit of money. Um, but everything else, uh, you know, the, everything that goes in the trailers, they put on the general liability policy and it costs a little bit more to have to pay for your equipment. But I mean, with as much as we're doing, I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's nice to have. 
Um, and then oh, yeah. on that, um, since we're not in like a stationary location, they charge you more for that as well because you're moving. They, you know how insurance goes; they charge you for everything they can. <laughs> oh yeah, probably um, charge you for a different county. Right? <laughs> Who knows what they can think of? Again, I'm not an insurance agent. I won't claim to be, but I definitely have looked at my policy a little bit. There's like a list of stuff. You know, there's like five hundred thousand dollars that covers this, and three hundred thousand dollars that covers this. Like you know, liability for this or property damage or loss or, you know, yada, yada, yada. Are your decoys um, covered? That's what I'm saying. Under the equipment it is. So nice. that was one thing. It's like, again, it was a hard thing and I could find it if I had to, but I had to like type out a detailed list of every brand and when I bought them and how much I paid for them, which I try to be really good with my bookwork anyway, so that I have, you know, the, the numbers and dates and everything. So that's pretty much what it was. It was like, well, Time to go back through all these receipts again, you know, and see when I bought this and that and yada, yada, yada. So, so that's all, that's all under that policy. Now they know, but again, the screwed up part is like, even if say, God forbid I lost it all, they're not going to replace it all. They're only going to replace X amount of dollars or whatever. So it's like, well, all right, but I guess it's better than nothing. Yeah. 80% of it or something like that. Yeah. I think that's the number. Didn't want to be wrong, but I think that's what. And there's a, uh, so, a lot more that goes into guiding just through this conversation than just being a guide. Oh, and, and that's, that's the hardest thing. I mean, you know, there's really not that many resources for you to find this information out without just doing it. You know, like you just had to do the legwork. Like it just, it is what it is and it's not free. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it takes whatever, you know, to get started all your equipment, just even hunt. And then you got to right. find all your land to be able to provide a good service. Right. And then if you, if you lodge them, you know, I don't know if do you guys, do you guys lodge them or do they have to find their own lodge? Yeah. So it's, again, it's just kind of one of those things with the timing of the year, we try and use that lodge right now from the high fence as much as we can. Um, yeah. It's a little bit pricier to have to rent obviously. Yeah. Um, but to me, the quality of the experience is so good. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just, Pictures don't even do the place justice. It's massive, private bedrooms with bathrooms in them and everything. And it's just, it's phenomenal. Um, obviously, with what the price of building and stuff is right now, and it's probably a little while. Yeah. <laughs> um, we kind of been using that. Um, and then I got a few other things in the works right now where I'm actually uh, finalizing a land contract right now within the next month or two. Um, so as long as all that stuff lines out, that may be a shift that we start pushing a few more people through that. Um, but for the time being, that's kind of how we have it structured. Cause once October hits, they start running deer hunts through that, that yeah. lodge that we're using. Um, and then we'll, but we kind of bounce around a little bit more though, too, with the birds and being a little bit later in the year. Um, so we'll end up staying in hotels a little bit more. Yeah. What's been, do you think probably the most difficult thing or the thing that causes you the most stress? for running a guide service or starting it up a guide service and that's a hard one um i guess i'll just say the amount of time involved right um if you aren't if you don't have tenacity uh and you're not you know a real resilient person you're never gonna make it you know what i mean it's just that's just the way it is there's no way to sugarcoat it um so just the amount of hours the man hours that it takes 
just been around people are like, man, how do you like answer your phone as much as you do? Or, and like, to me, it's like, it's just another day. Like I'm just used to it, you know, but like people watch me that are like, we'll go on a trip with me or whatever. It's like, it just rings off the hook or whatever, or the, you know, just, you know, social media trying to stay up on posting and stay, you know, up, keep people up to date. And I mean, if you want to get real crazy into it, the algorithm, you know, of Instagram and like trying to somewhat, you know, stay active. Man, if if I didn't have a business, I'd throw social media in the trash. You know what I mean? It's just, but you're able to reach so many people. Nowadays, most of it. Yeah. So, so it's, it's definitely worthwhile to still take care of it. Um, But it's just, there's only so many hours in the day, you know? And so it's like, uh, you know, you get, I hate to say you get burned out, but at some point you, you get burnt out. So, you know, there may be a time where I just shut my phone off for a little while, take a deep breath. Um, But I would just say that's probably the most stressful part of it. I mean, there's obviously more layers to it. You know, you fortunately, you know, I've been able to acquire a lot of really, really great clients that have turned into family and friends, but on the same note, there's always a few that, again, you might lose some sleep over. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you need uh, a social media manager. Yeah. You know, yeah. A guy. <laughs> man alive. If I could, if I could cut you loose in my camera roll, you could, put 10 posts up a day for the rest of your life and not run out of freaking pictures quite certain (laughs) um uh but uh yeah that's that's just the the biggest thing of it you already kind of hit on it earlier i mean it's it's so much more than just killing you know i mean whether it be maintaining the relationships you know uh you know god forbid you have an issue with the landowner where you know somebody's neighbor ends up upset for some reason or like i had that this year we're sitting in the blind turkey hunting this is a really good one i don't know why i didn't think of it earlier we're sitting in the blind turkey hunting and it was almost the end of the year i had like one or two more groups yet left and i hadn't had any issues all turkey season i was like man this is awesome we're sitting in a a pop-up blind i had a youth hunter and his dad and i think the dad had already killed if i remember right and uh, so we just had to shoot one turkey. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, I see this car up at the road, right on the edge of this cornfield. I see this car up on the road that stopped, and, like, I see this lady. And, I mean, she's probably four or 500 yards away, but, I mean, I can just kind of see her, like, doing one of these, you know, jobbies. <laughs> Looked like she was on the phone and flailing her arms around, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. We're, like, way back off on a dirt road. Like, we shouldn't be having to deal with anybody. Well, all of a sudden my phone rings Well, my truck was parked up there with my big decal on the back with my phone number on it. And it was a, a local number to the area we were in. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but I was in the woods. So like, I just hit like the, can I call you later? Quick reply. You know, like I'm in, and then I texted him. I was like, Hey, I'm in the woods right now. I can't talk. I can text. So if you need something, you know, and sure enough, I mean, it wasn't 20 seconds. We'll just call this lady, Karen for better sake of terms, you know? <laughs> crazy Karen Karen texts me back right away you know you choice words mf or you know you're trespassing you can't be where you are yada 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 I've already contacted all the local landowners around and this and that and like I already said I get written permission from everybody that we hunt on so I at this point I have not only a hard copy in my truck but I have a picture of every hard copy uploaded to a google drive on my phone so I pull up the last name was Schwab I pull up the, the Schwab folder and I screenshotted the front and back of that liability or not liability, the lease agreement that I had with them. And I sent it to crazy Karen. And I said, you know, we on Schwab's property, you know, and this is the amount we agreed to the dates I can be out here and we're good to go. 
well, and then she's like, well, I'm calling the DNR and this and that and yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I don't think you want to do that. There's hunter harassment charges that can be filed towards you for doing this, you know? And she's like, well, and this is the worst part of it. I'm going to contact the other landowner. I'm like, oh my God. Like, cause I just don't want anybody to have to deal with any drama. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I try and cross my teeth. Cause then they my... don't want to lease it later on. Right. Yeah. Yes. So I'm like, oh boy. Like at that point, like you can't make anybody happy. You know what I mean? So it sounds like Tyler's was, cousin just hunting property that he thought he could hunt for years. And right. <laughs> but so you know, it was, didn't own it anymore. <laughs> and it was so screwed up. We were, we were obviously in the field, you know, on the edge of the field, we could hunt, not in the woods at all. We were in a blind. And, uh, the field we were in ran like north and south in the section. And then there were two skinny sections that ran this opposite way and this lady owned that further north section and we weren't even like anywhere near it we were down by this other skinny section so it's just like she had no business sticking her nose where she was anyway but you know at the end of the day she kind of calmed down and uh she's like she sent me a text i just got off the phone with schwab he said you're fine to be out there but just stay out of the woods which we weren't even in the woods so i just sent her a text i was like i again I wasn't in the wrong, but I was like, I'm sorry for the miscommunication. I, you know, really hope that we can work through this in the future so that this isn't a big fiasco. If there's anything you need from me, please let me know and try and deescalate, you know, and make her happy. Um, but again, those are just little stresses that, you know, nobody sees, you know, like the clients in the blind, they don't need to know that, you know, it's yeah. like, <laughs> you just like, and literally while this is going on, I'm calling a gobbler and, you know, it was, it was, he's coming across the field. I'm like, this lady screws us up. I'm going to be so mad. <laughs> and that would have sucked. Karen's will be Karen's just the way it yeah. is. Yep. So those, those are just a few of the, I could go on for, for hours. There's, there's so much, you know, that goes on behind the scenes that nobody, nobody ever sees or knows about, you know, yeah. I mean, it, but, you know, that's where I get such a kick out of, you know, the glory shot or the hero shot, the, the pile picture on Facebook. You're like, oh, my God, if you knew what went in to make happen and to make 32.4 birds a day happen every day, day in and day out. And I'm not just saying for my sake, I mean, uh, the whole team of everybody. I mean, it's just. Yeah. What do you think your quick. hours are? How many hours a day you putting in during the rain <laughs> season? I mean, do you even sure. sleep? How do you sleep? Turkey season, I think, is probably the hardest because the days are so long, right? Like, the sun comes up, it's like 5, 5.30. So, you know, you got to be awake at 3 to make clients coffee and food and, and you know, make sure everybody's ready. And, you know, you're driving to the field at 4 and getting the blind set up at 4.30 or getting the decoy set up at 4.30, whatever. Um, and then you go, you know, all day and we make food for them, you know, midday and, maybe they want to take a nap maybe they want to go hunt again whatever but then you're hunting till eight nine o'clock or if you're not hunting you're scouting get back to the lodge you're doing dinner <laughs> you know time you clean up dinner and then clients want to go coyote hunting or you know sit around the fire or whatever the case may be 